Pedersen, oh, it's 1-0 Blues! What a header that is! Christian Pedersen with a bullet header! It's then floated towards the back post, Jukovic in there, Jukovic! Oh, what a header! This man is on red-hot form at St Andrews at the moment. And it goes again towards the towering Zigic. All confusion at Martin, and surely scored the winning goal for Birmingham City! Hello and welcome to the Blues Talk podcast here on Blues TV. My name's Callum Denning, Dale Moon alongside me as well. Looking back today on a fantastic Friday night under the lights here at St Andrews Trillium Trophy Stadium against Middlesbrough. And we are joined by a man who has become part of the fabric of this football club. Steve Spooner joins us right here on Blues Talk. The Blues Talk podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Right, Dale, we're back. What's this, third, fourth edition of the season so far? Yeah, I can't remember which one actually, but it's a good time to reflect on that performance uh, against Middlesbrough. That performance. I mean, um, yeah, where to start with it? I'll tell you what, have a think. Have a think, because I want to go into detail on this. So I think, I mean, what I will say now is I think it is one of the most total performances, really, from a Blues team. I've seen it at St Andrews in many, many years. Yeah, I think so. From start to finish. Uh, we were the better team, but I think it was just the manner in which we played uh, off the back of three defeats. So you wonder whether the confidence is still there. You wonder whether Pep's going to stick to his principles. Mm-hmm. You wonder whether he's going to freshen a team and go with a completely different outlook. But, you know, there was a few changes in there. Um, but I think that midfield four is uh, the main talking point off the back of the game. You talk to supporters and I think you look at the average age of them. You look mm-hmm. at how all four of them were so comfortable in possession and how really they played up against three very experienced Middlesbrough midfielders who were chasing shadows for an hour, By at least large. the first half. Listen, let's talk about that later. I want to start with one of the defeats, though, which I know a bit of a sour note to start the podcast on, but almost unjust, really. Uh, let's go back to Pride Park. Blues, well, Derby 3, Blues 2. Yeah. Undeserved, really, in the grand scheme of things, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. We went toe-to-toe with them, didn't we? We went away from home and we took the game to them. Um, we'll be disappointed to be 2-0 down mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you're there and you're watching them, how attacking we were, how open and expansive the game was. And I, th- I just think there was an attitude of let's have let's give this a right good yeah. go. V- very rarely do you go to Pride Park feeling as confident to get a result, given all the distractions that they had to deal with off the pitch ahead of the game. I think we felt that they were there for the taking um, against well, Derby and for a large part they were, uh, but for the goals and then you, when you dissect the goals, the f- 90 seconds in, Gaz just plays a slightly short pass, maybe a mm-hmm. bit rusty coming back mm-hmm. into the team, they capitalise and Campy almost gets his foot stuck underneath him and can't go back the other way, which is just frustrating, but you won nil down with less than two minutes into the game, so immediately, you know, all the pre-match talk would have been Derby are there to be get out there a club in turmoil or at least a dressing room in turmoil quiet them, the crowd down make life dif- difficult and they'll turn but you, they get a leg up after 90 seconds so the crowd then are up and Bouncer. it becomes yeah, a more difficult game um, the second one is the slip Mark Roberts which I mean what can you do I mean there's nothing you can do about it. Two very the, unfortunate incidents yeah, in those first two goals as well. And I hate looking at luck and discussing how teams are unlucky. And look, 
I think you make your own, but largely, I mean, that, that Mark Roberts slip, who I, I think hasn't got had enough praise for me this season. I think he's just been fantastic. And I know we're coming on to the Middlesbrough game, but again, he won absolutely everything back there. But yeah, bad timing on his part. Slips at the wrong moment. Actually gets himself back goal side of Chris Martin. Um, and then I think Harley puts the cover on as well. And the two of them then get sucked towards the ball. And it just means he can, he can prod it, I think, between Harley's legs in the end. And uh, it swept past Campy, and then you're two 0 down. And you're thinking, oh, this is you were really up against it. But as soon as I mean the reaction again to Straight go away. two behind, um, we get ourselves back in it with a set piece. Talk about how important they are. This time the delivery's right on the money from Dan Crowley mm-hmm. into that area. I think we we looked at Derby pre-game and how they concede from wide areas, and we've done the same in Middlesbrough. Um, so another set piece that they've conceded but we're right back in it you can see from the reaction of the players we didn't know on the day who had scored because they were all quick to get back into their own half let's get the ball rolling again we feel like we can get something from the game and I, I tell you what for the next 15-20 minutes Derby were gone Yeah, and on I, the ropes I had a Derby fan tweet me saying how can we be gone when we've got players baking forwards for the that. third goal believe me when I say for 20 minutes they were shot Oh yeah, um, we were ploughing forward. We were getting wide beyond behind them in wide areas, cutting balls back in. They were clearing it for corners. That it was one way traffic, and the pressure was getting relentless. And then, and then uh, Dan Crowley goes into the box. Uh, I think Huddleston makes a challenge from on the floor. Comes out to Ivan Sunjic. Before we talk about this strike, by the way, we've just done. You said it on commentary at the time. We've just done some FIFA filming with him. And his shooting stat was incredible. He's like, well, I don't shoot. He said, I don't That's shoot fair. anywhere, yeah. I think it was like 53 or something. Oh, it's something poor, incredibly yeah. low. But he's just let rip from, from the edge of the box. Postage stamp. Um, and we're fortunate that we've, we've seen it from a few angles. And it is an absolute missile. It arrows into the top corner. The scenes in the away end were phenomenal. Um, I know a few fans would tweet me again to see if we had a camera. We did have a camera on it, but we couldn't use the footage for one reason or another. But we did capture the scenes and they are very good. I'm going to keep hold of them myself. Um, the noise as well. I mean, just to enjoy. Uh, forget about the like the visual aspect of the limbs in that away end. Yeah, the well, noise. That's yeah, that's it. The, yeah, the uh, 3,000 when it just mm-hmm. over 3,000 in that Always corner. a sellout at Pride Park. Oh, they were phenomenal. And then, um, yeah, it it was all blues and it only looked it was going to be one team with 20 minutes to go if you score on 72 or 70 around that time so there were three minutes in between them uh, and, and it was all us and then I've had to watch the third goal back a few times to find out how we were so open mm-hmm. but I think Jamie Patterson actually starts the move off we, it's our own throw in Robbo launches one in we lose the first header and then it's just hooked high into the air downfield um, I think Jack Marriott who just comes on yeah Go shoulder to shoulder with Ivan Sunjic. The ball bounces and ricochets around the halfway line. And then for whatever reason, Blues are just caught cold. Maxine Collin came all the way across to deal with that first ball. He's unfortunate. The ricochet then takes it back into the middle mm-hmm. of the park where there's three Derby players. Wide open space. Uh, and Jamie Patterson, um, yeah, slips it past camp. And that is an absolute dagger because mm. they were gone. And I know it was at a time where it was two defeats. Or was it, no, but that was a time where we needed to, um, yeah. where we needed to win the game. We felt like we could win the game, and to have lost it was a big hammer blow. But this is where actually, and I know supporters, and I'm, I've listened to it myself, get tired of managers saying we concentrate on performances. 
there is positive. There are so many positives to take from that game. Arguably more than negatives, oh, despite the fact we lost. And I know it's like, why are we so wide open? We've conceded three goals. They're all valid points, but I just come away from there thinking. I remember my tweet. I thought it was, if we're going to play that way, there'll be some exciting football this season because we've gone toe to toe, fought fire with fire, away from home. We've committed men forwards mm-hmm. ahead of the ball. Duki didn't look isolated. Alvaro up there as well, working hard. So won the penalty. And there's a hope that that was a sign that we were going to go and uh, adopt that way of playing for all of our games. Yeah. Roll on the DW. Well, yeah. Do we want to go in depth? Well, no, you can talk about it. For the first half, for me, we continued a lot of what we were doing at Derby. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Crowley found himself in good pockets of space, mm-hmm. drags a couple of efforts wide. We've put balls into the box. Ivan nearly picks out Duke. It just gets taken away from his chest. Harley Dean nods it across the six-yard box. So... Although you can look at stats and say, we haven't tested the goalkeeper, which, again, you can't argue with. Actually, for the first half, we were pressing and probing. Now, Harley Dean's had to make a, a goal-saving well, challenge after it. four minutes, and Lee Camp's had to make a very good save mm-hmm. down to his right-hand side. So, again, it's another away, though, which is very open. Could go either way. Second half just died an absolute death. Yeah, I remember is... you and I were stood on the gantry at the DW. It's kind of... I don't know, it was almost like the atmosphere had been sucked out of the ground, really, that second half. The oh, they, don't, came out. They, they don't get big crowds. It no. felt like a 23. It was flat atmosphere anyway. Um, and neither side could just get a, a stranglehold in the game. We mm-hmm. didn't have that zip and zest about us that we saw at Derby and in moments of that first half. Um, Two positives for me, though, that I got from that first half. Obviously, you mentioned, you touched on him, Harley Dean. And he had two or three in the end. Massive tackles yeah. that kept us in the game first half. Lee Camp save as well. Uh, Jay Clock Salter making his league debut. Impressive. Yeah, he didn't look out of place at all alongside uh, Harley. Of course, mm-hmm. Mark Roberts out, little hamstring strain. But um, yeah, it gives that natural balance, a left sided centre half, mm-hmm. which means Harley reverts back to his right side. And he looked absolutely fine, which is what I mean. It was unfortunate to be on the losing team because they weren't troubled largely. Um, you know, like I say, yeah, to make a, a big goal saving challenge after four minutes, Harley, and then. Lee Camp makes the other save, but it's a game that was headed towards a nil-nil. It was an awful, torrid, cold midweek game. Winter is coming. Yeah, it felt like that. And then obviously Campy holds his hands up afterwards, and it's one of them unfortunate moments, which is the life of a goalkeeper. If you mm-hmm. make a big mistake, invariably it ends with a goal, and it ends up that Wigan snatched the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, straight away, gets the ball out of his net. He knows that he should have done better with it. When you look at it again, you wonder whether he's caught between two minds of pushing it Parry away or, yeah. or trying to catch it. It's almost like a slow ball in cricket. It, it, it wasn't travelling at that quick a rate. I thought it was. He had a long time to react to it, but one of those. And um, yeah, and then it's difficult then because, you know, you go back to the Derby one, we've lost the game. Mm-hmm. Wigan, we've lost the game. And so then you start thinking, well, we do need a result. Yeah. Regardless of what we think of performance, we could do some points. Odin Bailey, a man I think we might potentially talk about a little bit later. I'm not too sure, but he might come up in conversation, making his league debut as well at Wigan, a highlight as well. Um, But yeah, the Lee Camp thing, he's the first to hold his hands up there, isn't he? Yeah, we've had him on the podcast, he's experienced enough to know, he don't need to be told. This is it, he's been in the game long enough. Um, But two great saves as well, before that incident at Wigan. And solid performance so far this season. Again, wrong-footed at Derby, Mm. the mistake at Wigan, but... A true professional in the side as well. I think so. I think a lot of supporters actually, before the Derby goal in particular, were saying, well, you know, Lee Camp's been playing well this season. And Some people were ranking him as player of the season. Mm. So it's, it, But that just goes to show how quickly it can change in mm-hmm. football. A couple of bad 
bad games or bad errors, especially and as a goalkeeper, it is highlighted more. You know, Ivan Sunjic gives the ball away. Mm. It's a long time then for it to reach the goal. Yeah. A lot of things have to happen. There's other people to save you as well. Whereas if you're the goalkeeper or the last defender, you're in trouble a little bit. But um, yeah, we were unfortunate at Derby. Wigan, did, did we do enough to win it? Arguably not. It was a horrible but, game. But then you want to move on quickly and get a result. Friday night, under the lights. You know what? I think that's the third time we've played Middlesbrough in the past like Friday five night. years on a Friday night on telly. Yeah. So, I mean, it must be a big one for the neutrals. Yeah. And uh, I just thought we were everything that we talk about all the talk of a change of style of play, how mm-hmm. we want to play our football, clicked on Friday night. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Speaking as a fan now, not as someone at the club, just to watch that, how else would you want to spend a Friday night? Well, you go, you go through the performance of each individual and you can stake a claim for seven or eight players being your man of the match that mm, night. Absolutely. Um, what really impressed me, I mean, let's be honest, Pep's gone with four very young midfielders. Mm-hmm. Jude, just over 16 years old. There's 21 and 22-year-olds either side of him. Ivan Sunjic, 22. Crowley and Villal were both young yeah. players still. So that midfield four to go up against Paddy McNair. Johnny Housen. Yeah, Housen, who's obviously played at decent level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Clayton as well. The three of them in a central area against our two is a bit of a mismatch on paper. Yeah. Young and experienced midfielders for the first time playing in that four. Uh, and we absolutely boss possession. We look threatening. We create chances. We've hit the post. We've hit the bar. Balls we've got the goal. About. Uh, Randolph's made unbelievable Couple of saves. saves. Um, they all looked absolutely just at it. And uh, I think what was important for the first 10 minutes of the game, Kev Broadhurst was in the studio with us and we watched Jude Bellingham and to be played in a central two as a 16-year-old. I think Kev made the point that Young players, when they get put into the team, usually it's around the periphery. Mm-hmm. It's easier to introduce a player when they're 16, 17, 18, on the wings, not down the spine of the team where you're in the thick of the action. So to put him in there shows a lot of faith from Pep, mm-hmm. Paco, all the team, uh, to trust him alongside even Sunjic, who's new to the... He's not played 10 games in England yet. Well, this is it. Um, so they've showed a lot of faith in them. They can see that they've trusted them. And uh, for 10 minutes, Jude just got on it and lended it for a bit. And it eased him into the game. Any pre-match nerves he might have had. And he don't strike me as a player who worry with nerves anyway. Oozes in confidence. But eased himself into the game. Just enjoyed the ball for a bit. Made sure his passes were nice and firm. And then started to dictate the, <laughs> dictate the game from, from central midfield. And what really impressed me is in the occasions where they did try to rat us and get our heads down, we popped it around with a couple of short passes into Ivan or Jude, and Maxim Collin was open in acres yeah. of space. Countless occasions, he was our outball, and when he gets motoring down the right hand side, he turns defence into attack, and it was working. And Villalba was p- p- turned in his best performance for me as well. Looked mm-hmm. a constant threat on the other flank. Should have scored within four minutes, if not for that save from Randolph. Yeah, shook it firmly enough. Um, Pedersen hits the post on mm-hmm. the stroke of half time, with the bar on the stroke of half time. We were just so dominant that it was a tragedy. It was only 1 0 at half time. And then, as all Blues fans who's watched this club for years and years know, that the writing's on the wall, no matter how dominant you are at 1 0, the game is never done. Yeah. Borough seizing on a mm. momentary lapse of concentration, I think it's probably fair to say, for Harley. Yeah, yeah, I think he tries to just play his way out. I think he can't quite get it under control. I don't think he realises there's two players around him, so he gets robbed of it in a dangerous area, and they just stand it up. 
I mean, it's a hopeful sort of ball that you loft it over your goalkeeper and hope that someone's there. And Ayala almost chests it in at knee height, drops down to his chest, to his knees, and just just fumbles it in. Um, and the whole ground <laughs> almost was like, that is typical. That is just a sigh. Yeah, you've seen the script before. Um, they think they've got out of jail. Uh, but to go again, to have that belief with, what's the 87 they scored? 88, I right. made it. So you're talking two minutes plus whatever was added on to have that belief to keep going again. No we, deflatedness from that 11. We get the corner, go up the other end, we get the corner and then the chance comes from a second phase. I think it comes out to Ivan. Now because of his goal against Derby, you hear all the fans shoot. shoot. Yeah, it doesn't happen. He, he recycles it to Dan. And uh, what he does do, Dan, is... He'd done it against Derby a lot. He was buzzing around Huddleston, mm-hmm. but then ventured over to the right-hand side to combine with Max. Uh, he's got like that stop-start five yards in him with the ball at his feet, where it yeah. can really get you moving as a defender. You're not sure which way he's going to go. That low centre of gravity as well can, can twist your ankles inside out. And fortunately for him, he's faced by Britta Sambalanga. Now, I'm guessing, but he's one-on-one defending in wide areas. I'm sure he's not renowned for that. Yeah, not a specialist skill of his. Um, and he manages to get that yard of space, checks back, almost gives Brett Sambalanga another chance to block, but then just puts in the perfect ball. It's too high for, for Randolph to deal with. Uh, and Odin Bailey, of all people, uh, was thrown on for the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, it's I how you make it, a home debut, isn't it? Uh, I think he just lets it hit his head. I don't think he knows. He's never scored. I'm sh- I've covered the 23s for a few years now. He has never scored a headed goal. He will never <laughs> score one again unless he finds himself in that similar similar circumstance. But manages to get a firm header on it. And even then, Randolph gets his boot to it. Yeah. Just about, it's a side netting and goes in. And then it sparks another one. Of, we saw Jude, didn't we, against Stoke? Delirium. Uh, Hopping the advertising board straight into the tilt. And Booked for his troubles. Yeah, the, you take the booking. Yeah, the, the stairwell gets absolutely flooded with fans. And we win the game, deservedly so. But... I mean, it was the Blues way. It's never easy, but that is a de- the most deserved three points mm-hmm. you'll see in any championship game this year. More credit where it's due, because I told Pete Shuttleworth we'd give him a mention, but the analysis team, Pete Shuttleworth, Dan Millard, Simon Houston, we as well noticed before the match, Middlesbrough exploited down that right-hand side where Max was going, Cross is coming in. Mm-hmm. It's where we were going to get at them. Seven goals from their last five that they um, have conceded from wide areas and set pieces on Blues TV. We ran a whole VT mm-hmm. pre-game just showing that they didn't deal with balls into the box, which is surprising. I mean, Shotton's playing at left-back 6-2, yeah. 6-3 nearly. Ayala, big, ugly, horrible centre-off, can head things. They're not short of height back there. The midfield three are all big-ish lads. Um, so it is surprising that they're conceding from those areas, but why not exploit it? That's exactly why you do your homework and... I mean, the number of balls coming into the box, particularly down the right-hand side, um, just peppered them. And eventually the winning goal comes from across from Dan Crowley. Right. Well, we've got Leeds and Blackburn Rovers coming up after this international break. We'll talk about that in a bit more detail and how you can watch our home tie against Blackburn Rovers right here on Blues TV. But I think it's time, Dale, to introduce our guest for the week. Absolutely. Now, we've spoken about how many young players and the pathway that we have at the club, how many of them have found their way into the first team, they've been given debuts this year, one or two of them are now firmly in and around the senior squad. So someone who's played a huge role in that, I'm sure he's um, certain that he's too modest to admit it, but he has played a big part in that, is Steve Spooner. Of course, been at the club for many years now, 14th year at the club. 
mostly spent working with the youth team. So a lot of these players who've made their way through, Nathan Redmond's, Damari Gray's, Jack Butland's, Jude Bellingham's, Odin Bailey's, he's worked with at that level. Most recently, moved up to the 23. So it's, it's a real, the timing of this one's quite apt in the sense that Odin's just scored his first goal. Jude's found himself firmly in the team. Steve Seddon, Wes Harding, all around the first team squad. And he's a good person to pick his brains as to what these lads had that made them first team possibles. Um, his career, of course, not many people know about his playing mm -hmm. career. Um, and just a bit about youth and development, football and progression. He spent a long part of his career in that department. So great time to speak to him. A fantastic bloke. And he has lots to say. The Blues Talk Podcast. Okay, well, we are joined by the man himself, Mr. Steve Spooner. Steve, thanks for joining us here on Blues Talk. Thank you. Um, it just seemed really apt at the minute to get you in and talk to us because, uh, particularly in the last few weeks, you look um, since the, the Portsmouth game in the Carabao Cup where 13 of the match day 18 were academy products. Uh, Jude Bellingham scores match-winning goal against Stoke now forms very much part of the first team setup. Odin Bailey, the latest to come in and score a match-winning goal. You've seen all these players come through this system, so you're the person we want to pick the brains of this afternoon. Um, is it a good time now to be a coach at the club, developing young players and watching them flourish into these first team professionals? Yeah, it's fantastic. But, uh, you know, it's taken many years of planning. Mm and uh, patience as well, which is very much a thing you need with young players. Um, but yeah, there's been many coaches over the years who affected these players, mm -hmm. you know. We're very fortunate in the 18s and 23s, we're the top end, but yeah. the players who have nurtured them at 9 and 10 and 11 and all the way through are just as important as us because they've all had a, a major part to play. Um, but the future of the football club is is uh, very good. We have some really good young players coming through, mm -hmm. and um, in various positions as well, which is nice. You know, we've managed to sell the strikers, the attacking <laughs> wide men, and that. Um, but the midfield players are coming through now, and we've got some very serious contenders in uh, the defence. <coughs> excuse me, the defensive department as well. Yeah, how do we compare, Steve, in terms of our academy and? Um, the, pro the production, the rate at which we're getting players into the first team? Yeah, I think we're punching above our weight. Uh, there's many a club that would have a bigger budget than us. Mm. But we have tried uh, over previous years of, of buying from overseas and it was never that successful. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the part of our planning was we reflected upon it and decided that it was we was going to go against that a financially mm. and b we wanted to give everybody an opportunity that was a Birmingham boy and so we identified the catchments areas and drew a line around the borders where we could get in and get players and that uh, so we was strategic with the planning and uh, you know the guys in the recruitment department would be able to tell you a lot more than I would regarding that yeah. but uh, we, we're very competitive with other clubs you know, our audit scores were comparable and were better than a lot of Premier League clubs. So we're everything to be rightly proud of at this football club. And, uh, you know, the, the future is very good for the club. Three Brummie debutants this season, by the way. Jude, Odin, G. does make you proud, doesn't it? Oh, it does. And as say, if you was to, to do a demographic percentage, you know, there's a lot in the the academy where they're they're within a 15 20 minutes travelling time which yeah. is 
which is excellent because you know you've heard Odin and Jude speak so affectionately about the club and uh, you know it's, it's a great thing about this club you know I've been here numerous years now and this club is infectious and it gets right under your skin mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's a club to be very very proud of you see their reaction to scoring both of them jumping <laughs> into the tilt and you can see what it meant to them it's just Definitely. phenomenal and I think between them as well you know we had a game that night and we was at Leeds and then the boys who have come through with them boys as well they was just as pleased mm. as probably their parents were mm. you know because they have that emotion and and probably one or two are thinking that could be me next yeah and you know it's a there's a lovely connection between all the academy players that they're they're pleased for one another mm. and they spur one another on as well um so, you know, they have to keep challenging one another, but they're also encouraging one another as well. Yeah. What was that like for you <coughs> when you did, you find out that Odin scored a last minute? Winner? Yeah, it was, we, was, we had our game had finished and we yeah. was just in the changing rooms. And uh, it was one all, well, sorry, it was one nil when we went out right. for the second half and we came back in and it was one all. And then Algus Medina, who, um, he said, no, it's 2-1. <laughs> And everybody checking their phones saying, it's not on, it's not on mine. And then someone quipped, yeah, Odin scored, joking. Yeah. And of course, Geraldo, his big buddy was, oh, that's my boy, that's my boy. <laughs> and uh, didn't actually know someone was winding him up and then it got confirmed. Yeah. And uh, as I say, there was as much delight in that as if we had won nice. our game as, A, the fact that, you know, the first team uh, performed well and had mm. a great result, but the fact that, you know, they're, their comrades in arms, so to speak, had uh, played a, a big part in it as well. You, <coughs> you clearly still get a buzz from watching these young players yeah. reach their potential. Yeah. Is that probably the most satisfaction, the most satisfactory part of what you Oh, doing? absolutely. It's so rewarding. Mm. And, you know, I've spoken many times. It's, you know, we take a very holistic approach to the boys' development. And we take as much pride in the boys who possibly don't make it through to the first team, but... They go out and make a career for themselves in the lower leagues or non-league. Or they go out the game completely, but they're a better person than the person who come in. All right, they've matured, but they might come with some baggage, some issues. Um, but we spend uh, a lot of time investing in the boys in their, their social skills and mental skills as well as their football. <clears throat> Sometimes do you think it takes for a young player to leave the club to go and realise their potential. They can't always, if he's not going to be here, it might take them to actually drop down a few levels, realise that the penny's got to drop at some stage and then they can kick on with their career and come back again. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when we release a player, obviously we do a, a lot of groundwork into mm-hmm. it in consideration. <clears throat> um, but it's, um, you know, sometimes we take into consideration who's behind them in the in terms of the age groups and who's in front and would it be in their best interest if we release them to let them go on and seek pastures new and hopefully come back and uh, get themselves a, a career yeah. elsewhere yeah yeah so i just wanted to wanted to put to you a few of the criticisms that this country or challenges that this country have to go through in terms of bringing a young player and what your opinions are when it comes to these so one thing that gets leveled at young players is they have too much too soon so they have all the riches that go with being a young player without having actually forged a career. Is it something you'd go along with? Is it a problem that you found here or do you think that probably isn't as big a challenge as people make up? Yeah, I I don't think it's so much a, a problem at our club. 
um, where we're quite strict with our wage structure when we first take them as pros. Um, you know, it, it tends to be leveled in a way on success, driven towards success. So it's not, I don't think it's a problem at this football club, mm -hmm. but it certainly is in talking to other people. Right. Um, you know, at Premier League level, because of the competitiveness of, of getting players in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, if a top player becomes available at uh, Chelsea, Man City, a Barcelona, Man U, they'll all be after the same player. Yeah. So they've got to be competitive in what they offer. And of course, that drives the stakes up. But, you know, the player can, if he's not hungry and driven, he can rely on the money in the bank, what car he drives, what house he's got. And that will only last for a few years. Mm -hmm. And you might end up with some material wealth, but in terms of um, professional outcomes, there will be, you know, it will be limited. So I think, you know, I always have this debate with family and, and friends and that who say footballers get paid too yeah. much. Well, they probably do in respect of, you know, what a doctor or nurse deserves to get. Mm. Um, but, you know, they're, 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 there's a demand. And, you know, when there's a demand, there's a price to pay on demand. Yeah. And uh, so the players have every right to, they are the reason why people watch the game. So mm. they have a right to receive what is dutifully theirs. Um, and we can't say well it weren't like that. And but Sky wasn't around. You know there well, wasn't were, a Premier League. You were a few years. Too yeah. Early. That's, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. How do you retired now? Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I never begrudge a player, but I think it has to be structured in in their earning in, in relation to their success as well. Yeah. Uh, foreign imports are blocking the pathway for young players. Um, to a degree. But I think cream will always come through. You mm. know, if you're a good player, you always get through. So once again, you can either use it as an excuse or uh, you can use it as a tool to motivate yourself and try and get through. And, uh, you know, many years ago when we was in the Premier League, I used to have to try and deal with players all the time. You say, Steve, there's no point. Yeah. There is no point. Because of the, the riches attached with Premier League and they have to stay in, but now some clubs like Chelsea who are being forced into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm 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 pleased I'm a Chelsea fan, but I'm a Chelsea fan from the seventies, you know. Before the uh, Yeah, Glamour. That's right, yeah. Um and I might be wrong, but only in my my what I've seen, I would say they've got the best young players yeah. in the country, collectively. Yeah. And so I'm pleased with what's happened there because them boys uh, are now getting through and, and it's showing in the latest squad list of <laughs> for the national team. Yeah. You know, they're, they're benefiting on that. So uh, possibly it might have had some bearing, but you like I say, you can't, can't use, use it. it as an excuse. Uh, the short-term nature of managerial reigns means that they're reluctant to put young players in. Do you think that's a problem? Um, possibly. Yeah, I, I think particularly in the Premier League, it's um, and even even lower down, you know, it can happen. You know, we'll we'll say to the players that, you know, they they get released from here and they think they're just going and walk into a non-league. But if you haven't played first-team football, and a a manager in a League Two has got a limited budget, he's going to want a player who's played twenty odd league games. Um, 
not a player who's who's played 150 under 23 games, you know. Um, so there's, you know, they 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 have to be realistic on that and know that they're um, when they go out there, it's a competitive world out there. Finally, the last challenge uh, or criticism that's been levelled at us as a country, I think, I think you're going to disagree with this one vehemently. We don't produce enough technically gifted players. Years ago, probably agree because the game was different. Mm. I think we've seen just recently Gary Neville and and Jamie Carragher. They used to be they used to moan about getting it out from the back <laughs> and playing and that. And now they've actually come round <laughs> to controlled football. Yeah. And it's I understand if it's passing for the sake of passing. But I've always been, a, I like to get the ball out from the bank and retain possession, but be purposeful through the thirds. You know, you don't want to get the ball back and give it straight to the opposition by, you know, just whacking it long. Yeah. So I think all the work that's gone on from uh, the EPPP when it first came in, I think the country is beginning to reap the, re- the rewards of that now because there's some outstanding talent. You know, when I was with the 18s, and seeing young players up and down the country, I always you say to some friends, you know, don't worry, the, the future of our country is in really good hands because mm. they'll be coming through. So, yeah, I think there's some <clears throat> yesteryear, possibly, but yeah. now you see the national team being able to cope against Spain and against Germany. Yeah, I think the one thing they're a little bit different to us, I don't know why, but they seem a lot more flexible around the hip area. Mm. You know, they can bring balls down and receive them, you know, at, at waist height yeah. and chest height. And we don't seem to have that. I don't know if it's anything to do with the conditions here, <laughs> uh, particularly at Wast Hills. That's the Spanish lads that have joined this summer. Yeah, that's, that's Finding it. out very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, no, I think we've got some really, truly excellent, technically gifted players yeah. and defenders as well now. Yeah. You know, it's not just about... Um, being able to head it and kick it now you've got to be able to come out with the ball you've got to have the ball under pressure and you've got to be able to start attacks as with a goalkeeper you know mm. the nature of a goalkeeper has changed now the, the requirements is he good enough with his feet you yeah. know it's one of the questions that get asked now and uh, you know a goalkeeper gets recruited on his ability to be able to deal with the ball under pressure yeah. as well at feet uh, we spoke about that Portsmouth game although we didn't yeah. get the result <clears throat> a momentous night for the club but one thing to come out of that and merge after the game I think a supporter put some clips together of G, but Gerardo Bajrami and his distribution from the back. I think it was a good few minutes, two and a half minute clips, but you could see he was quite comfortable as a centre half on the, the senior stage, firing passes through players in midfield. And is that something that you think is naturally developed because that's the way he wants to play the game, or is it something that the club and what we encourage has probably made him better at that? Yeah, it's been our culture. Uh, I think uh, Aidan said it, uh, sorry. Um, Odin said it in his interview that you know that's the way we've just done it all the way through the academy mm. and it is you know if you keep on repetition repetition with the ball you're going to get better yeah. and if then you it's about the skill of the coach learning when to take him on to the next level and uh, you know we've got some excellent coaches at this football club and um, they, you know it's, it's about setting the correct challenge and then moving on to the next challenge at the correct time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but G and all the, the boys in the 23s down, they're all comfortable under pressure on the ball. Mm. 
you spoke about Chelsea being a fan and mm. the, the talent that they're producing. They obviously knocked us out of the FA Youth Cup whilst you were under-18s manager mm. in the semi-final. Uh, twice reached that stage as under-18s coach, but <coughs> that is the pinnacle tournament still for youth football. And the record, although we haven't reached that final stage yet under your tenure, stands up pretty well against other clubs to get that far in the competition, especially that group uh, that we had have come all the way through together. It was quite a special group to get that far. Yeah, but it's a, a classic case of, you know, the, the, the club um, really extending beyond what we've, what's mm. coming in. Mm. And it's, again, it, it wasn't just me, it was other coaches working with me and, and the fitness department and everything. Um, where, uh, yeah, the, the group we had, I think we had two semis and two quarters as well and um, to get that close <laughs> but when you come up uh, against the Chelsea it's yeah. very hard because it's not just their technical side you're physically there yeah. you know, like men standing in a tunnel and uh, <laughs> you know that was always going to be the hard one for us because we didn't have enough of them players to be able to match them mm. you know you was almost thinking when you're attacking well this could all go wrong because if they break onto us yeah. then we're, we're we're very open but um, it's you know there, there, there has been a, a good group within that players mm. and you know we we probably didn't realise at that particular time their potential but as in all things when you you get a little run going and that the uh, camaraderie and that and each time you get to a, a and next round and that it's, it brings confidence and that and I think a lot of the players from that learnt a lot throughout that mm -hmm. and uh, you know the, the bulk of them are still here and uh, you know they're making up a lot of the 23s now and obviously we lost one or two to go into the first team but that's what it's about yeah. you know we don't want to win the league at 23s and not produce nothing it's about trying to get that balance right being competitive at 23s but teaching the boys the right way and are just not in possession but outside of uh, sorry out of possession and outside away from the stadium and in here and learning to live like a pro as mm -hmm. well you thought Wastels was cold that night in Norwich turned very quickly didn't it, it was that snow <laughs> yeah it was some trip back but it went a whole lot quicker than if we got beat that's for sure yeah. uh, that group still remain here you've said a few you've lost to the first team they've all mentioned Odin Jude when they've been asked as well Geraldo after the Portsmouth game They've all thanked the coaches and everyone who played a part. Does that say a lot about their mental maturity? The fact that they are grounded enough to look back on the people that helped them reach that stage. You know, they could you could forgive them for just being euphoric after making their first team debut, but actually they were mature and aware enough to thank the people that played their part. It says a lot about the people that we recruit here at the club as well. Yeah, as I said earlier, that you know we we spend time with them, not just on the the football side. <clears throat> but it's about trying to be better people as well and um, I think it epitomised one year we was away and uh, a lady come up to one of the staff at the airport and you're thinking oh, I don't know what are the lads yeah. are doing <laughs> and she just said I just want to say your boys are an absolute credit to you right. because the way they behaved and uh, We've had that a lot of times when we've been abroad, hotels and that have said how well the boys behave. You know, we we make sure that they've got etiquette and mm. manners and that. And, and I think 
that stands them in good stead because you know, like you say you know when they do their interviews and that they're, they're humble enough to recognize the people who have played a part in their development and they're they're really good people mm. and even the people who have left and gone to other clubs who you know they still speak to and that they're them boys are still really good and they're not beyond their station they mm. remain humble and uh, and we'll always thank the staff at this football club as well for playing a part in their development. So it's you know it's a massive well done to mm -hmm. everybody at this football club. But said it's been a while in the making. Yeah. You know it doesn't it happen over happened. two, three years. I know when I first came here, the lunatics were running the asylum, right. and um, you know we had some big problems, and uh, we had to go through uh, a lot of setbacks to get to where we wanted to to be. But mm -hmm. we knew that it was going to be a three four or five year plan before we could start making any inroads. We said that it'd take us five years to get one in the first team. I think it took three. Right. Um, and then of course, then that, that starts to trickle, that becomes the flow that will hopefully become the, the torrent of water, which is quite apt given the weather at the moment. <laughs> and now you're still here 14 years on. Still enjoying yeah. it? Love it. Yeah, I said the club, it gets under your skin, you know, it plays a, will always be dear to me, this football club, whatever yeah. happens in the future. Um, it's just proper people, yeah. you know, down to earth people, everybody's got time for one another. And um, again, when players from other clubs have come in and they, they perhaps haven't been successful, but their, their parents or the agents always come back and said, you know, you the, the people, the player he said he's the best club he's been at so nice. <clears throat> you know um, and be, it's not false with us you know it's, it's just natural you see us yeah. you see all the staff every day at work and it's just a natural thing so I'm sure we've managed to recruit one or two players on the, on the back of our openness and, and humility as a, as a football club as well yeah absolutely and now this year <clears throat> partnering up with Xabi Khan as part of the under 23 set up how have you found that transition moving up Excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it was not something that I ever really wanted to do. I've had opportunities before <coughs> um, away from here as well, and um, it was something that never really interested me too much because of the nature of being the twenty threes coach. Um, but uh, I got a phone call in the summer and um, asked if I would be interested, and uh, I met with the. The, the respective people who had spoken to me about it and I like the project and the plan that was to be put in place you mm. know I'm very much a development coach I enjoy time with players and I saw an opportunity there that was going to be a, a more of a, um, uh, a a marry up between academy 23s and first team yeah. than previously we've had <coughs> and um, and that really appealed to me and, and so I took it on and um, yeah, great working with Xavi, you know, he's a, he's a great coach, mm -hmm. great bloke, and he, you know, he's brought some of the Spanish in with him, and mm -hmm. I've learnt one or two things from him, and he's, yeah, I think he's learnt one or two things off us <laughs> as well, um, so it, it's been a good partnership, Yeah. and uh, long may it continue uh, across the club. Is your Spanish getting better, or is his English no, getting better? No, not really, no, <laughs> I've got a bit of Del Boy French. <laughs> as far as my uh, command of foreign language goes. <laughs> uh, I just want to touch upon your playing career because we've spoken about 
Oh, this will be quick then. <laughs> <laughs> about your time as a coach, but I think it's important that you look back upon your time growing up yourself and being that that lad who has aspirations of being a footballer. Yeah. So take us through your career, to start with your pathway into professional football. Um, just as a kid in, down in London, um, grew up first, Sunday side was, it was played on cinders right. uh, in a place near called Mitchum Common. <clears throat> and uh, you learnt uh, to right tackles and stand on your feet because you didn't want to go down on that. Mm -hmm. um, and went through school and district, then um, I got picked up by QPR and uh, went to QPR and then Palace came in for me. Uh, this was pre the, the kind of structure we have now where you sign contracts at right. nine, you didn't sign until you was 14 then. Um, and I went to Crystal Palace and Chelsea had been after me for a while. Are you a boy a Chelsea fan anyway at this point? Uh, no, not at this point. Okay. I was a Man U fan. Okay. But again, Man U was in a second, like the, the championship then. Okay. This was George Best era <laughs> right. and that, you know. <clears throat> and um, I went to watch a mate and, and the Chelsea coach, he said, come on, you're in now. Why don't you get James and join us? And, and I joined in and uh, loved that. I had a really good time there. Um, had a bad injury, kept me out for about six months, never got back to where I needed to be, got released, um, and I'm not saying if it wasn't for the injury I would have got a, a scholarship then, which was an apprentice. Uh, but I, I had the chance to go to Tottenham, Millwall, Gillingham on trial, and I and a chance to go to Derby, and I, I took the Derby option. Um, and I, I came to Derby at 16, and got a, a pro deal and, and then um, got into the first team. And, um, you know, that was my first experience as a life up north. No telling, I'd been to Nottingham once um, and it was, a, it was a different world to me. You know, the, <laughs> the north-south is not so bad now, but yeah. north-south in the mid-70s was complete different place. Anything places. above Watford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it took a little bit of settling in, but I had another lad come up from, from London with me as well, and yeah. we went into Dix together and that, and uh, after about a year, the, the trips back home got less, and I, I stayed up more, and then I met a Derby girl, and got married, and, and that was, you know, 30 odd years ago now, we got married. Um, so yeah, the my time at Derby was great. I had a lovely time there. Um, my, my debut was... I've heard was, all about this one. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. About it it was one. fantastic because... Remind us who it was against. It him. was against Tottenham. Um, but why it's so uh, significant to me was it just encapsulated what a, a schoolboy dream it is because in the, the summer of 78, hmm. I was down in Hastings on holiday with my mates in a caravan watching the 1978 World okay. Cup. And then six months later, I'm running out on the pitch playing against two of the Argentinians yeah. who played in that World Cup, uh, plus Glenn Hoddle, you know. Um, it's a small matter of Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you're a central midfielder at this point? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that about saw me off that one. Yeah, I started to move back with that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that is really everything you're dreaming of and, and the fact that. Uh, to play in London as well. I had all my family there and, and it was a, a fantastic time. Um, 
So yeah, really good. I heard you tried to chest knee and zing one back. To yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and then got left out in the next <laughs> the next game, which you can understand why. Yeah, it cost us the game. No, it was one nil, and I I I grew I'd grown in confidence Clearly, by this stage, and yeah, it was a throw in, a, as you say, a chest thigh volley <laughs> went out for corner and they scored for me in the open corner. <coughs> but yeah, I was sub at Middlesbrough. Away the next there you go. That's all. Yeah. That's all you yeah. need to know about what the manager thought about that. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Still managed to forge a career away from Derby and played yeah. for a 10, 11 Yeah, team. again, um, went away and and spent you know most of my time in League Two, League One. Um, had a, a terrible time at, with injuries at Derby and. Um, was it was it always the same injury or did you suffer a number of injuries? No, and numerous ones. Yeah, I I broke my leg against Villa actually at Villa Park in the old Pontins League. Mm. Came back and then six weeks later I broke the same leg further up, oh. um, which was out for a further few months. And I had some silly ones. I remember I got picked uh, to play against Man City at the old Main Road. Yeah. Um, and this was I think it was the Thursday. And um, I went downtown to do some shopping in Derby, and I suddenly started shivering, felt fluey, and that. And I had a pain right up the back of my leg, and went back to my digs. They found a physio, he came out to us, and uh, it turned I'd had a blister on the back of my foot, and I, I popped it with some scissors. But there was uh, one of the players been picking his feet with it. Oh. I didn't know at the time. Got infected and, and ended up being put in a back slab oh. plaster. And, and that kept me out. So there was there was numerous times I got close to a sustained period, and it, and it just went wrong through injury. But you know it happens, yeah. and uh, there's a lot better players than me have had that happen to them. And um, you know you just have to accept that as part and parcel of the game. But I look back now, and we're talking about players' behaviour at a young age, and I was I was way out of line. Was you? Yeah. Were yeah. just doing the wrong things in terms yeah, of yeah? I just yeah thought. You know, very much a, a drinking culture in the seventies, yeah, yeah. um, and a going out culture. And uh, I became I liked the lifestyle of a first team player without really the application of it. And I kick myself so often now, yeah. <clears throat> but I use that with the players. I was going to say, does that help you now? It's great. You know, you look that. back and yeah, and yeah, think yeah, that was that was bad for me, but good for them because yeah. I'm in a position to to tell them the pitfalls and. And the pitfalls now are far more extensive than yeah. when I was around. There was you know, social no media, social media, right? no video recorders or anything like yeah. that. Then. Was that just a story of the times? I mean, you look at players in the 70s, it was yeah, just definitely. part of the culture yeah, around. Yeah, absolutely. Sport. You know, we were talking about foreign influences earlier on, and I think that's been a massive positive mm. from foreign players coming in. They bought their diet, their nutrition, and the way to behave. And, of course, they've become more of a... A uh, high percentage of players in the makeup of the team, and the English players have taken that on board and seen the way they conduct themselves, and, mm. and have took that on as well. And um, <clears throat> and of course, with the advent of nutrition and sports science and everything like that, you know, it was. I used to wonder why I felt so heavy during games, but <laughs> you know, we used to have a steak, toast, and a rice pudding <laughs> to follow. And Amazing. and you think yeah, you wouldn't have one two days before no. done now because of the research and behind the energy it uses and how it settles in the stomach and all it's that. It's amazing how much it's changed. Oh, incredible. And, you know, you you used to use pre-season to come back to get fit. Now yeah. you have to come back fit. Yeah. And you get a programme through the summer and that. 
and it was just left to your own devices in them days. Yeah, good memories. Though. I mean, you played nearly 450. I think you played 450 league games, yeah, so you forged yeah. a, a decent career in the game. So there must be some good memories. Yeah, great. On. Yeah, great memories. And I think that's the beauty of football. You know, you meet so many good people in there, and you know, some people remain friends with, and that mm. experiences of living up and down the country. Uh, my children were, <clears throat> you know, living in different parts of the country as well. So their social skills are good. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, uh, football's, you know, God's blessed me by being a footballer and a coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I count myself very fortunate to be in a profession that, you know, there's many casualties and, you know, I could be tomorrow, nobody knows. Um, but it's... You know, if that was the case, I'd always be thankful to football for, for what it's given me. You know, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to be in the industry. There's lots of things I don't like about it as well, but that can probably be said across many industries. But, uh, you know, very privileged to have been a player, to do the best job, and then to have the second best job of being a coach and, and nurturing young footballers. And as you said earlier, to see them <coughs> getting the first team. Yeah. And then they're, they're growing up and getting married and having children themselves now. So, yeah. Make you feel a little bit older. Oh, you definitely. That. Definitely does. Definitely. But you it's great. You mentioned about God blessing you with this career. You've uh, In our research for this, we listened to the Christians in Sport podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. How close are you to your faith still today? And did, it, did it play a part in your career all the way through or did you rediscover it? No, no. Um, really only uh, probably I was early 30s. When, it's quite late in your career. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but from then on, it's been uh, you know a major part of my life, and, mm. and still is, and um, <clears throat> you know I think it gives me a balance as well, not just on life, but particularly in our profession, yeah. where it's very much up and down, and yeah. that, so it tends to give me a balance in uh, the highs and the lows, the setbacks, and that. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very important part of my life. Yeah, yeah club obviously have, a lot of clubs have club chaplains and stuff. Now, did they have them back then as well? <coughs> uh, there was a club. No, chaplain. no, no, no. I don't think he would have survived. But no, you know, we're very fortunate at this club. We have yeah, two, yeah. an academy one and a first team, uh, and they do a great job. And you know, their their job isn't about faith. It's a, it's about being a that support a person, structure. support yeah. and that. And uh, you know, they're. They're, they're, they're two really good guys that yeah. we've got here. Yeah. Finally, would you ever turn your hand at first team management, Steve, or are you quite happy doing the old uh, um, development phase? Yeah, I think as I've got older, it's appealed to me a little bit more, yeah. but, you know, as we spoke earlier about the insecurity of being a first team manager, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I like to develop players and you're not yeah. always given that opportunity. Um, so... I, I think, you know, I, I'll stick to that development side and enjoy, you know, working with players day in, day out yeah. and, and hopefully helping them to get better. Yeah, it's good standing on the side of the pitch. I think you're the loudest voice that we can hear on the pitch. Like yeah, the that's not, it's been said once or twice. <laughs> I've done those yeah. live streams on Facebook recently. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you from the gantry. <laughs> really. Yeah. You still to, live it, though. You can tell you still live every yeah, kick that the boys Yeah, it's still, and I... I, I it's a strength as well as a weakness yeah. that that I get too passionate at times. No, I think it's a good thing. I agree. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I was only talking to someone the other day. They was they was talking about you know my kids and that. And I said, yeah, my daughter's very laid back like me, 
And he said, what? <laughs> I said, no, I mean away from football. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, two well, Steve's that's it. Yeah, exactly. When I come through the gates at the training ground, yeah, the, the professional Steve Spoon mm-hmm. uh, is different from the, you know, the, the guy who sits at home and, uh, and mm. uh, has time with his family and friends and that. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, and I think you need that. You know, yeah. I said, a player's be as nice as you can off the pitch and be a proper person but you cross that touchline you yeah. <clears throat> you have to find something in you uh, and you know it's really important yeah genuinely we could sit here for another two hours and talk about everything Easily. to do with your career youth development but we're gonna cut it short so spoons thank you ever so much for joining us we will definitely have you back on this show down the line so it's been brilliant thank you very much thank you. appreciate it. the blues talk podcast with dale moon and callum denning fascinating interview with steve spooner i mean what to be at this club for so long, truly part of the fabric now. Yeah, and like we reeled off the names before the interview, but there's a fair few players and names on his list that um, have came through the system at the football club. I think it's something we should bang the drum about. And Three England internationals on there. Yeah, and I think he said in previous interviews, you know, how they contact him and thank him for his part that he's played. I, mm-hmm. I know it's both Jude and Odin, their post-match interviews after... Stoke game and I think against uh, Middlesbrough as well on Friday both thank the coaches and everyone I mean I think the recruitment side of things from an academy perspective it's one thing having the player and the ability here but you you have to invest in the person a lot as well and I think Steve Spoon is a firm believer in that in you're working with young people at a time in their life where lots is changing they're leaving from school to go into full time work and even now as a 23 you know they've made it through the the youth team system now is a real big jump. It's tough to then get them into the first mm-hmm. team. So lots of off the field issues to deal with, lots of professional de- issues. You're all dealing with different characters in the dressing room. But I think obviously his playing career and being part of a derby side back when it was a bit wild and yeah. as they were off the pitch. Tail help, end of the 70s. Yeah, it helps him. He's been exposed to all that and the, how ruthless the dressing room can be. And I think he's seen the downsides of it. And I think we've just created an environment here where we allow young players to express themselves and flourish. And I mean, the the record speaks for itself and just sheer number of players. And I don't think it's done as a box-ticking exercise here. A lot of clubs at certain levels can put a load of players in and say, look at us, we've we've put our young players through. I think here they are there on merit. You can't say, you know, Jude Bellingham's not there just because he's a young player and broke Trevor Francis's record. We've seen... He's he scored two match-winning goals already. Yeah. Bosses a game against Middlesbrough. He's there on merit. Odin Bailey isn't put into the team because it's another young player. Mm-hmm. All pre-season, he's gone up another level, Odin. We watched him be part of that. You went to Portugal. Yeah. As soon as he came in for pre-season, he's pre-season friendlies. He looked like a player who felt, in his mind, that he belonged in the first-team mm-hmm. squad now. So he's gone up another level, deserved his chance, taken it, scored the match-winning goal. So you're seeing tangible results from putting these young players in it's not there because you pity them or you feel like from a football club it looks good mm-hmm. they're there because they're good enough and like they say you're good enough you're old enough genuine care as well from Spoons I think that's what sets the academy apart I, I just think that's what he's like as a bloke yeah. I mean how friendly you won't hear anyone talk badly of Steve Spooner at this football club he's the easiest guy around the place to talk to he has got time for everyone he explains things well, but there's a real football brain in there as well. He understands his football. You don't go and do all your badges, your pro licence, have a enjoy a career spanning 450 league games, yeah. 11 clubs, then go to an academy and start coaching for that long. And, you know, you think of how much the game's changed, not since he was playing, but also in the 14 years he's been at the club. Massively. And he's lasted it. 
and still continues to churn out players as we do at Cabello. But I know it's not just spoons. The whole system has it's all little cogs in the wheel. The whole system has to um, has to work, but he's certainly played a big part in it. Right, let's talk about our upcoming fixtures. We'll start with Leeds United. Your birthday, isn't it? Alan Road. Yes, it is. Off to Leeds we go October 19th. Um, great memories from last season. Shay Adams, she's the, where the penny dropped for him. Yeah. Um, Turn and shoot. Saw a couple of those later on that season. Yeah, it was a sign of things to come from Shay. Um, Lee Camp makes a massive save, by yep. the way, on 80 something, 85, 86 minutes. Kept us in the game. First win of the season last year. We had to wait nine games, but... Leeds must be sick of us. We always seem to get a result against Six Leeds. points off them last season. Um, I think of Jack McGoma scoring there when we look at some of the montages at Leeds. Wade um, Elliott scored a screamer there a few seasons back, yeah, I remember. Yeah, for whatever reason, we seem to do well against Leeds. But again, they'll be one of the sides expected to challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, fifth currently, just looking at their records. Six wins, two draws and three defeats, which will concern them a little bit. So they haven't started blistering form but they're two points off the top after 11 games. So they're, um, they're expected to be right up there. And it's never easy going to Ellen Road. I think their fan base are very much like ours. Working, yep. working class club. Love to get behind their team. They are loud. They are noisy. So we'll have to quieten them, first of all. But if we put in a performance anywhere like the Middlesbrough one, and I can't see why we can't get a positive result there. Go to Ellen Road, you kind of have to combat that sense of expectation, don't you? I mean, they're Leeds United. Let's not forget. Mm. Champions League semi-finalists this millennium. Yeah. They expect a performance from yeah. their team and they will make that known vocally. That's what I mean. I, f- I feel like if you can quiet them down, it has the biggest impact at Leeds because they'll start to turn a little bit. You feel the frustration there. You could do, I mean, I think they substituted, they made a substitution against us um, very midway through the first half. Yeah, Bielsa sat on his bucket. Calvin, they took their defensive midfielder off, didn't they? And he because. They couldn't get into the game and Blues were dominating from the off. Now, you could hear the murmurs around us um, and the frustration from the natives because they just could not get grip to grips with what we were doing. And if, I think that's the way you play at Ellen Road. You first mm-hmm. of all stop them from building up any momentum early on. An early goal and they've got the, they, they lift the roof and the place is bouncing. So stay in the game for a bit. But when we can attack, I mean, if that, it'd be interesting to see what team selection he goes with because... How, I mean, how could you... You'd be hard-pressed to change a winning team, but you're going away to a very difficult place. It's a different predicament to when you're at yeah. home in front of your own crowd. So that'll be interesting at two o'clock on Saturday when the team news comes out. But one to look forward to. Love going to Ellen Road. Always a good one. Some memory from you, by the way. Calvin Phillips subbed off 34 minutes yeah, for Stuart Dallas. Yeah, and he was one of their players of the season. He was, um, you know, went on to be... I think he made team of the year. Yeah. He's a central midfielder. Made challenges... Broke play up, but he couldn't get couldn't get near us, and so they also didn't feel it was working, and changed it. So yeah, look forward to that one. Hopefully, we will get a similar result. A big shout out as well, by the way, to the following that we're taking to Ellen Road. Sell out. How much initial allocation? Ninety quid a ticket or something ridiculous. It's up there, isn't it? It's, they're quite pricey. I think it's fair to say. I don't know. I'm baffled as to how they justify it, but I mean the supporters that are willing to pay it and follow us are just. We we say it every week, don't we? But if there's just you know, we're privileged here that we were able to follow the club home and mm-hmm. away. There's nowhere else I'd rather be if it wasn't in a press box than in that away end with them all. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, they've been rewarded. We have some good results at Ellen Road. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to hearing them and keep right out, ble- keep right on blaring out at Ellen Road. Met by marching on together and it'll be a good, good Two atmosphere. Two great anthems there. Yeah, a good atmosphere. 
Then Blackburn are the visitors to St Andrews Trillian Trophy Stadium. First midweek under the lights. Well, it, not counting the Borough game, of course. Darren Purse, back with us on Blues TV. You going to remember his name? Oh, I've got him after the last time when I died on telly. Uh, Pay-per-view yeah, as well this time around. Uh, but Yeah, yeah Percy's always good value. Again, a, a former player, but mm-hmm. not there to to talk about the game because he's a former player actually from a coaching perspective comes up with some really good points and I think they're the best pundits Kevin Broadus does it really well in the studio mm-hmm. because he's not as reactive he can actually sit back watch the game yeah, suss out why things are happening and he's got a real eye for it and I think Darren Purse is a similar sort of mind in the sense that he sees the game very well Hughes is another one yeah Brian Hughes who we've had back with us since his Wrexham stint so there's players there that are hoping yeah, to jump on the Blues TV bandwagon and offer a little something a little bit different. So great to have Percy back with us again in um, in the studio for the Blackburn game. Um, mid-table team. You, you, on paper, again, you look back to that Middlesbrough performance and that's the bar now. That's yeah. You've set that at home. I mean, home supporters will turn up and they'll expect something similar. Um, so we've got to turn... Turn it in, and now the games come thick and fast. I know we still have one more international break after this. We do in November, um, but now you're looking at Saturday, Tuesdays, and, and Christmas. I know it's scary, but just round the corner, and then the games are really coming. So squad depth will be tested again. Uh, you wonder how far Montero is. McEachran still getting fit, playing twenty three's mm-hmm. games, so he's going to come into the fold. I mean, what a time for him to be introduced. I mean, those, I know. he's going to have a job getting in, but. Uh, We've got a few bodies that can come back into the fold. Check Cater now, who likes to be made of his inclusion. Yeah, as 19th a 19th man at Wigan. Um, so he's now knocking on the door. So no, I think we're in a healthy position in terms of the squad. Well, as Dale was saying, Darren Purse on co-commentary for that one. And you can watch it in the UK for the price of just £10. Here on Blues TV, if you haven't already, go to subscribe and purchase the Blackburn Rovers pay-per-view package. Of course, a half-hour pre-show with one Dale Moon as well. Yeah, we always have a good bit of fun. Whoever's in the studio with us, we take a look at the opposition, try and dissect opportunities that we can get at them, hear what they've got to say, almost listen to their managers' pre-match comments. We hear from Pep Clotet as well. Um, We show some goals against the opposition. We looked at our last meeting. So trying to build up a bit more of a show ahead of kickoff and just ramp up the atmosphere before we throw over to the commentary team. Who knows? Might even make an appearance on your social media as well before Blackburn. Mm. Right, it's time for, no disrespect to yourself, Dale, probably one of my favourite parts of the podcast on a weekly basis, when we turn the tables and just shoot questions at our players. It's quick fire questions. I can do better than that. Hang on. I don't know what to say. Just a, okay. Time for another edition of quick fire questions. As always, at this time of the show. Let's have it. <clears throat> right, that coming up, of course, next. No, it's a week up. That coming up, of course, a week on Tuesday. But now, time for one of my favourite parts of the podcast. It's time for Quickfire Questions. The Blues Talk Podcast. I'm with Hannah Hampton at uh, the Trillion Trophy Training Centre. Hannah is the latest victim of our very quirky Quickfire Questions. You can't wait, so let's get into it. Hannah Hampton, what music do you listen to before a game? Um, it's varied. It is varied. You've got some people who like the, the classics, some like the hip-hop and the rap, and some just the pop, so it's just a varied playlist. Right. Yeah, I'm in charge. Snapchat stories or Instagram stories? Instagram. Good. Favourite restaurant to eat at? Uh, don't know. 
I don't know. Favourite. You don't eat out? Not really. I Actually, think Nando's sort of. To be fair, I do like Nando's and I do like Waggers. Oh, Wagamama's. Yeah, but probably Nando's. Wagamama's has popped up before. Yeah, probably Nando's though. Karaoke song? Uh, it's not just a song, it's Ooh. songs. Go on. I'm always singing. So today I was like, um, today what was the singing training? Higher love. Okay. Bit of higher love in training today. No classic, living on a prayer. Wow, you've got a bit of a catalogue of songs. Oh, like find me a song and I'll get it. <laughs> Favourite movie? I know it's tough, but pick one. Movie. Oh, you know what? One I watched recently, it's not my favourite, but I can't pick a favourite. One I watched recently was the Now You See Me, that magician one. I watched the one and two. Oh my God, my mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> What's your middle name? Oh, oh, that's a, that's Anna. a cheeky one. That we're just throw friends. that one in, we're yeah. All friends. Alice. Can't be Alice. That's normal. No, my my name's Alice, but then everyone like nicknames me and goes ha because that's my initials. So it's like people laugh at me f- ah, to get my right. attention. Mine's Dam, so don't worry about it. Mine, mine's worse. Yeah. Like old Dam. Yeah. Uh, holiday destination. Oh, Spain. Back to where I used to live. Of course. Anytime. Um, favourite TV series or one that you're currently watching and enjoying? I don't watch a lot, but I do like a lot of the police crime ones. So, yeah. Like NCIS LA. Okay. Hawaii Five-0. you got a bit of a dark mind, haven't you, Han? Well, I, I just need to do something that gets my mind thinking. <laughs> I need to find my brain somewhere. What's your order from a coffee shop? Oh, from a hot chocolate. Um, can't do coffee. Um, do you have cream and marshmallows? Marshmallows and flake, but no green. Don't tell the coaches. <laughs> Too late. Uh, what's here's a good one. What's the best goal you've seen whilst on the pitch? So this can't be one where you're in the stands. You have to be playing in this game, but it can be any level for a club or country. What's the best goal that you've got? And that is a goal. Um, it's a hard one, I know. Yeah. You can come back to it if you want to. I can't pick one, but I can pick one that I always laugh at. Go on. With one of the teammates. Well, I'll take that one. Go for it. Right, Rachel against Liverpool. I think we we won. I can't remember the score. A left peg, top bins, right? But it was such a wind up of the left leg. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it took ten minutes to crank literally it up. crank it up, and she put it top bins. And <laughs> every single time since, I'm just taking the mick out of her. Um, did you have any posters on your bedroom wall growing up? No, no. Uh, who is your sporting hero, and have you met them yet? Sporting hero. Um, oh, that's a tough one, there. Oh, I have to come back to that one. Let's come back to it. Um, oh, here's a good one. What instruction do you give to your hairdresser when you go to get your hair cut? I'm not fussy. I'm just like, can you just tidy it up? No, I'm like, just whatever needs to go, take it off. You're not bothered. I'm really not bothered. Because at the end of the day, it's just getting put up in a ponytail. Like, I want to grow my hair long, but I want to grow it long nice. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, you don't want So, space. I'll just be like, take whatever it needs. Yeah, like that attitude. Some people are a bit too protective about their hair. Oh, no, it'll grow back. Yeah. Favourite cheat meal? Apart from a hot chocolate with flake. <laughs> you know what? I'm not I'm not um fast food eater. Not bothered. Nah. I think the only cheap... Cheat food. I don't know if it is, but Nando's because it's chicken. Like, I'll I only think that. that. Is fine. Yeah. What did you go dressed as to the last fancy dress party? Uh, oh my god. Um, 
Or, or anything you've ever gone as. Oh, one of them hula things. Oh, yeah, like a Hawaiian. Yeah, of. yeah, it was a Hawaiian theme. Okay. Actually, we've got to play our um, Halloween party coming up that we've got to wear. Have you got your outfit ready? Or? I do, but I can't reveal it, okay, you fair, know, because it's, it's the best costume wins. All so. right, I respect that. Um, okay, what are the names of the WhatsApp groups you're part of that you're allowed to say? <laughs> None of them are rude, you know. Okay. Um, the kids. So that's like... Me, Claude, Sarah, okay, Schneider, the so the youngsters of the group, the kids. Um, and then, me fan one, so um, Fantastic Four. Okay. Mm. And then, um, after that, it's just like Birmingham, yeah. England, Work, England, place. Birmingham, yeah. Oh, dropping the England in. Actually, I have college. I have a college one, but I can't reveal the name of that. Yeah, but I do have a college one. Okay. Um, can you play a musical instrument? I can indeed. I can play guitar and piano. Oh, have you got to a certain grade, or do you can you, are you just able to play? Um, I didn't take oh, grades, we, but if I did, I would be like an equivalent to a grade four. So you're five, decent. So yeah. Interesting. Uh, which Hollywood actress would you choose to play yourself in a movie on your life? Oh, everyone tells me to go for Margot Robbie, but it's just looks spitting image on me in it, so. Uncanny similarities. Uh, if the whole squad was in a Royal Rumble, the big fight, who would be the last girl standing? Rach. <laughs> Rach any day. Honestly, whenever Rach is on the ball, even in training, you just let, you, it's literally like the partner of the team. Yeah. You just let her go. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, best pair of. Fair, though, actually, Ooh. on that one, I will put up a good fight against Rach. I think it'll be me and Rach holding. Because I have got like a, a strong side to me. And even it, though, yeah, in. If I ever get, like I've always said, if I ever get into like a problem in a game, I would put Rach in front of me and then have a go from behind and be like, oh, Rach, yeah, why it? And then be like, oh, no, she's the one who said it. <laughs> and Jeez. then get Rach up and then, you know, so it won't come back on me. But I think I'll put up a good fight. Yeah, I don't. Uh, what's your favourite pizza topping? Or like what pizza would you have? Or you choose right, a pizza? So if I have a pizza, it's bad because I know it straight away. So that obviously means I have it too many times, but I don't, I don't. Um... It would be chicken, ham, sweet corn, ketchup. Ketchup? Yeah. That is a random... Why ketchup? Pizzas already have a tomato base. So yeah, I know. So you put ketchup on top. Or sometimes you put, like, barbecue sauce. But if you have barbecue sauce, then you have ketchup on the side, so you dip it in. All right. Yeah. You are one of a kind. I know. Uh, Favourite flavour ice cream? Uh, mint chocolate chip or honeycomb. Honeycomb's amazing. Uh, perfume of choice, if you have one or too many. many. Got too many. Okay. Um, it's for different occasions, though. Oh, all the names of the pets that you and your family have owned. Oh, my God. I know, I remember this question. So, I've had dogs called Jed, Todd, Sasha, Kimber, Henry, Sally, Maya, Cindy, Sevy. <laughs> All dogs. All dogs, <laughs> right. Then I've had two terrapins called Tim and Tom. <laughs> okay. um, I think that's it. If I've forgotten any of them, I feel bad. <laughs> but I think that's, that's it. it. Oh, that is amazing. Just a dog lover. Clearly. Uh, <clears throat> have you got any tattoos? Nope, never have, would, never would will. Would you have any? No? No. Okay, what type of student were you at school? Well, when I was there... Because I was hardly there. Um, to be honest, when I was there, because I was only there one day a week, I will be honest, I was cheeky. Mm. 
I was trying to just play up. Yeah. No insight, I shouldn't have, but I got me grades, so that's what that matters. You've you done know. enough. Yeah. Um, what's the strangest thing you've eaten? Um I wouldn't really say it's strange, but I've had like squid and stuff. Yeah, it's not really strange, but uh What's on your bucket list? What do you want to do before you kick the bucket? Uh, oh, there's a lot of places I want to go to. Go on. I go America, Hawaii, um, then Australia is one. Um, there's a few. I can't remember what I was. I've got. I've got them down. I've you want to? Do, you want to travel the world? Basically, yeah, but only the good parts of the world. <laughs> Okay. You know, only the nice bit. You're a lady of leisure. Yeah. Uh, but when I go on these holidays, yeah, I've got to do something. Like, I'm not one of them persons who just, like, lies on some bed tans. No, I get bored. So I have to either do some some things. Um, right, the best way to eat a chicken. So what part's your favourite part, whether it's breast, leg, wing, thigh, and how would you have it spiced or marinated? So you mean like a Nando's order? Well... First of all, the only bits of chicken I like is like the wet, juicy bit. Like if it's like dry, the wet, juicy bit. Yeah, you know, like on the outside when it's like the wetter bit, but on the inside it's like the drier bit that's more chewy. <laughs> okay. okay. Do you get what I mean? Uh, no, but okay. Oh, well, some some people understand me. I get what you're getting. At. I get what right. you're at. The deeper you go into the chicken breast, the drier is going to yeah, get. So yeah. So I don't like. Yeah. So I don't like the drying bit. Okay. But I'll have like the wet bit on the outside. Yeah. And then Flavor. probably. Oh, see, I enjoy chicken too much, so I don't want to, like, overspice it. Mm. Whereas if I'm at Nando's, I'll have a medium. Okay. But sometimes I'll go for the plain just because I enjoy chicken too much. No, because I have a medium. I'm not weak. Finally, have you read a book cover to cover? Like, com- complete yeah. book. Have you read a book cover to cover, like, from front to back? And what right. book? I'm not going to lie, yeah. After school, No. But obviously, when I was in school, I had to read all the books cover to cover mm. and like evaluate it. So I think that's kind of put me off it. Yeah, so no is the answer. So probably not no. The Blues Talk Podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning. Another um, eclectic bunch of answers there on quickfire questions. You know what, actually, I think, we, I think soon we're freshening up the questions. I think Controversial. We ask, I think soon we need, to be ask, we need to ask different questions. What have you got in mind? I haven't really, but there's some crazy... Like I've seen some that Paul and Pete a program yeah. and website guys come up with for the program there's some quirky ones in there as well one that was an interesting one if you had a book of your life did you ask you this one Paul yeah oh, I've not so, heard okay, this okay so if you found a book that detailed your life story this is getting deep and you you opened it on today the page right you can't change what the rest of the book's going to say you can't change the course of your life would you read on or do you shut the book of today and don't you don't want to know that's a bit deep, isn't it? For an international break weekend. Oh, I don't know. Is this what did Paul Leader ask you this? Yeah. Just doorstep you. Yeah. I don't I don't think I would. Let the it temptations all play out. there though. You could see everything. It's just sounding like a pilot for another podcast now, isn't but it? I'm just saying question, deep thinking questions like that. We'll I like that. The, we'll throw the lads off so we're gonna Surprise gonna... them. They think they know the format. I mean, throw one if they're listening to this now, it, I mean, it's yeah, been ruined. It's but throw, two, throw, throw one or two curveballs out. Let's go about the meaning of life. See what happens. Well, on that note, I think that's uh, just about all we've got time for. Just another reminder, pay-per-view, Blackburn game, week on Tuesday, £10 on Blues TV. Darren Purse on co-commentary for that one, as we mentioned. Anything else to add, Dale? 
No, we bring on Leeds. Bring on Leeds United. Trip to uh, to Yorkshire. That's all they sing. I, don't, I really don't... Three points for your birthday? It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, table's still sorting itself out. I saw a tweet. Was it something like four points separate the top 10 teams? You go down to Cholton in 10th as it stands on 18 points. Early leaders, West Brom and Forest on 22. So still, I mean, for me, again, we say it every year. There ain't a runaway leader in this division. Everyone's picking up points. Interesting to see Preston up there, just a point off the top yeah. as well. One of the teams to come down and just about do enough to, to beat us at St Andrews. Frustrate us, I yeah. think it's fair to say. Um, but they're a contender. And you look at some of the teams we've played, Bristol, Swansea, Preston and Forest make up four of the top six. Mm-hmm. We've already played four of the top uh, six after 11 games. So still sorting itself out the championship table. Still a long way to go. I wide mean, open and you can't really you don't really remember what happens in October so but um, let's keep picking up those points keep developing this style of play and hopefully it all clicks as it did against Borough right well we'll be back in a fortnight hopefully with those points in tow but for the meantime I've been Callum Denning and I've been Dale Moon and this has been Blues Talk the Blues Talk podcast with Dale Moon and Callum Denning